Dr. Catalina Lawson is my guest on today's episode. Dr. Lawson previously joined me on the podcast to talk about cancer and intimacy. On today's episode, we talk about cancer and dating. We talked about many of the struggles faced by those who have been personally impacted by cancer, particularly our need to feel like we have to give a disclaimer. She also provides some insights on how to approach dating and relationships through the cancer lens. Take a listen in. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I am here again today with Dr. Catalina Lawson. We had her on the podcast um, just a little while ago to talk about cancer and intimacy and relationships. I wanted to bring her back onto the podcast so that we could talk about cancer and dating. So thank you so much for being willing to come back onto the podcast and sharing your time with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Yes. So, you know, let's, we, we kind of touched on um, in our last podcast, episode, we touched on so many of the different complications that exist around having cancer and, you know, um, the intimacy part of it and relationships. But one of the things, um, you know, that we, we talked about just ever so slightly is the whole idea of cancer survivors who are single Mm -hmm. and, you know, really how do they kind of transition from, um, you know, being that cancer survivor to who is single to being in a relationship. Um, so let's talk about that. I don't even know where to start, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that this is such a, this is so important. And there really is, there's not a lot of great guidebooks or anything out there. No. Necessarily I mean, there's no guidebooks for dating. A lot of people just don't talk about it. <laughs> Right. There's no guidebooks for dating in general. So, um, you know, adding the cancer complication on top of that makes it even twice as hard. Um, So exactly right. (laughs) I mean, I feel like one of the first things that really comes up is, is most cancer survivors really feel like they have to make a choice as far as whether they disclose their they they are a cancer survivor or not, um, particularly younger cancer survivors, your AYAs. Yes. Um, and, and I guess that's where I'd like us maybe to start as far as this idea of disclosure and how to do that and when to do that when you're dating. And, and this idea that you actually, so many cancer survivors feel like they have to do that. You know, that they have to almost put this disclaimer out there um, to, you know, as if, I mean, I guess one of the things that a lot of my clients have felt is, is almost saying, you know, seeing it as a disclaimer and almost like I want someone to know from the get go because I'm an at risk individual. I feel like there is or there's risks in dating me because of I may get sick again and that. And so I need to be transparent as far as someone needing to maybe, you know, be along there, for, be, you know, be along for the ride for that. And so a lot well, of, I always, sorry, I'm going to jump in real quick. I Absolutely. always felt like there was like, you know, a little asterisk for me, you know, for that uh-huh. disclaimer, like, you know, I, I'm just going to be very honest with you. I come with a lot of baggage. Um, you know, it's a little different than what you might think. Um, and so I see it more of it's an opportunity for an out. Like if, if you can't handle this, you can get out. And the earlier on that we do that, the better off that I will be in the long run is kind of the way that I had always seen it. No, absolutely. I mean, I feel like it's a litmus. Um, you know, I think a lot of cancer survivors already during when, once diagnosed and during treatment, Cancer is a litmus for any relationship. Who's going to stick around? Who's actually going to show up? Right. You know, and so most cancer survivors seem 
seemed to be like at that point, particularly once in survivorship of, okay, if I'm actually going to put myself out there, then, then this is just, this is just the reality. And so I feel like the ones who, um, the ones who actually do put that out there at the beginning, really it's from a place of, okay, this is what I know I need. And if you can't hang for that from the get go, well, then it's not going to work out. Um, whereas I do feel like the ones that are a bit more tentative, um, and take their time in disclosing, um, or feel a bit more ambivalent about it, they do see it more as almost as a disclaimer deficit, almost like, okay, just so you know, um, because this idea of baggage, you know, I'm always so sensitive to it because I guess I feel like who doesn't have baggage? (laughs) That's (laughs) true. (laughs) We all do (laughs) in some form. And I guess I just feel like, you know, particularly um, if you think about your average cancer survivors, you know, average are, are in, um, are 57, um, but then you have your AYAs. I guess I feel like there's particularly when we think about life and what's been going on <laughs> recently, you know, in current events, I feel like, gosh, everyone's got something, a big part of their story. And so much in cancer survivorship is integrating the cancer experience into their story, you know? And so I guess a lot of the work I try to do is, is for clients who feel like they actually need to put that out there because they, I feel like they feel like they're, they're, there's a handicap to it. Um, you know, and I want to just make a note of that side to say that if people are feeling that way, you know, and, and that there is this additional thing that, you know, maybe other, other people, other potential partners don't have, I guess I think, well, you know, it, be, it might be cancer. It may be something else. And we all have something. And I guess I feel like it's, it's more about integrating that rather than necessarily seeing it as, as a barrier to a relationship. Because I guess I see, by the time people are generally seeing me, you know, they're in distress and they're having a hard time forming relationships. And so it's really a lot of that work is in integrating and figuring out to get to the point that you, that you described that you were at of, you know what, this is, this is me and accept all of me and accept, accept life with me. And, and then otherwise it's, it's a no go. Right. Well, and I think, um, well, there were a couple of things that popped up into my head, so hopefully I can remember all of them. Um, (laughs) one of the things that I personally experienced and I, you know, I certainly don't want to speak for all breast cancer survivors because all of our treatments are very different. Um, you know, I think being a breast cancer survivor, having undergone a, you know, bilateral mastectomy, having reconstruction, not doing nipple reconstruction. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think there was a lot of hesitation on my part for anyone to see that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, because it wasn't typical and, you know, not for nothing. Our breasts are a huge part of our sexuality. Um, you know, and for me, it was a really big part of it. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of hesitation on my end, um, in terms of that. So I'd, you know, kind of like to hear about what you have to say in terms of, you know, body image and how to, you know, kind of, work through that to be able to allow others to, you know, kind of have that full experience with you? Um, You know, kind of what point do you maybe recommend? You know, I mean, for a long time, I hid my breast behind a bra, like that my bra never Mm -hmm. came off, you know, now that I'm married and, you know, I'm just, I run around all the time with without one on. Um, so it's very different, but I, I just remember having so much hesitation over that. Um, the other thing too, that I struggled with was, you know, for a period of time, I was kind of in that quote unquote dating scene, um, until I met Uh the man who would become my future husband. And in that time, I really came across men who just wanted to fix me. And I almost became like Uh. their sympathy, um, project. Yeah. Like I, I it was just kind of, mm. you know, it was just really weird. Um, and I was like, I don't need to be fixed. Like they already fixed me. Um, yeah. so, you know, just kind of thinking about those kind of things too. Um, and then I had another thought, but I lost it. So hopefully it'll come back. <laughs> okay. Well, for, let's first start with the, the part about, 
getting comfortable to actually date someone and become intimate with them. You know, again, I do think particularly amongst individuals who where this is, you know, there was no questions around it. <laughs> like, you know, like we, they felt very, very comfortable in their sexuality. Again, I feel like you actually are taking, particularly with breast cancer survivors, took a fairly common approach of, of wearing lingerie. I mean, I still have clients who even several years later, continue to wear lingerie. And, and I guess I see it as, on one hand, for sure they, you're not feeling, I mean, it depends on your level of sensation, but for them, I think it's pretty individual as far as what someone needs to feel comfortable. And again, um, I think a little bit of this is generally, generally bit by bit, someone figuring that out on their own and knowing that it can happen at their own pace. You know, and that there's, and I, I do think that when it comes to being comfortable, because so much of, so much of intimacy and actually connection is being present. And when we talk about body image, you know, anxiety and worry starts to come in and then that blocks being present. And so then that's going to block the sensations you experience and how much you actually enjoy it, you know, and that's where people become, begin to get more verse from actually engaging into intimate activities. So a lot of what I recommend for, for people, women and men, is just to, you know, experiment a lot on their own. Begin to start. So I guess a little bit of this is figuring out, you know, one, practicing on your own um, and trying to connect to your body first um, and just beginning. Like I guess one of the things that when you're saying wearing your bra I think for breast cancer survivors, that can actually be a really nice gateway as far as reconnecting to feeling sexy, feeling like a sexual being, um, and using that as, as a tool to actually bridge, you know, eventually taking it off and actually feeling sensations. Because again, a lot of it, I do think is, it's hard to connect because then at the same time, it really does depend on how much sensation women have in their breasts. Right. You know, as far as how actually pleasurable it is. You know, I certainly have some breast cancer survivors who are like, God, I, I don't feel anything anyway, so I don't really care. You know, yeah. <laughs> my partner I can, can do what they want with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's nothing there. So, um, you know, yeah. for me, they're just really, you know, implants hanging off my body. Well, and I think that that's the thing. It's kind of figuring out like, okay, what is the part that actually pleasures me and then what part you know sensually and with my sen and with my senses versus what actually am is is kind of part of 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 that intimate connection and what am I sharing of my body with my partner you know and actually trying to trying to detach from our expectations I think so much of of what changes in our sexuality and putting our and connecting with our bodies and connecting with others for a lot of people, it may be completely different. And so actually accepting and acknowledging that and experimenting with what actually does connect, what does feel good, what is pleasurable, and what does enable you to be more in the, in the present. But I think that they're really, this is something that I encourage men and women to take their time with. And, and we know that they also, this is where that disclosing comes with, is is also being okay to tell your partner or your potential dating person, look, this is how this, I may need to take this a little bit slower. So I need to, us to, let's explore this together, you know, and actually in framing it from that standpoint, rather than I want you to do this or I, you can't do this because most people, if this is the beginnings of their dating experiences, they may not know. So they actually can use dating as an opportunity to explore that. You know, particularly, I mean, I've worked with a lot of cancer survivors where where they're re starting off with online dating. And I guess I see that as a great opportunity where, what's the risk? You know, yeah. like, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't work out, just like, because again, that's what dating is meant to be. 
it's meant to be exploring is there a is there a connection here and and actually using this relationship experiencing the relationship um being present so that you actually can get curious you can explore and i guess that feels like so much of dating is so goals ended like okay let me find a partner to do this or to settle down with this and i guess i feel like one of the things that cancer does bring is a new perspective of man you can plan all you want um but if you get <laughs> so focused on the outcome um you are absolutely missing the ride yes right? <laughs> and you will be sadly disappointed <laughs> well yeah because I guess and, and when you're thinking out about that so I guess I feel like cancer one of the things that I also encourage people to think is is gosh if you've already gone through this you you know you you try to get through cancer treatment to live and relationships are so much a part of that that to actually have authentic real relationships those absolutely need to be in line with wherever you are in that moment you know and and not needing to feel you have to be a certain way you know if there's a disconnect and and of course in dating we may not be always on the same page with particularly new partners um, and as you're getting to know people, but using that is just getting curious, getting curious with what, how you are feeling with this person, how your body's feeling and, and how you're perceiving that connection rather than necessarily, you know, I feel like with dating, there is already the development is, there's already so much tentativeness that I guess I think within, within the cancer context, really trying to kind of release the valve on any of that additional pressure is, is, is really what I feel like we should be focusing on. Whatever you can do to actually try to actually date to have fun, you know, because I do feel yeah. like so many people <laughs> see it as, oh, I had to put this on hold. Life went on hold for yeah. a good year, year and a half. Now, now let's get back into the world and let's date, you know? Yeah, I and- feel like... Um- <laughs> You know, again, I'm kind of putting a lot of myself out there to the world, (laughs) Um, you know, but realistically, through the time that I was going through treatment, I don't necessarily want to say that I stopped dating. I mean, I wasn't dating, dating, but, you know, there were guys that I hung out with and, you know, I mean, it was just kind of like, I guess I was in the mindset of you know, hell with it, because I don't know if I'm going to make it through to the other side of this. I don't know if I won't. And so while mm-hmm. I'm in this space, I might as well just enjoy whatever I can. Um, you know, not to say that I was, you know, like sleeping around, but look, hey, if that's what makes you happy, <laughs> do it. Like, I'm not here to judge. Um, but I will just tell you that I didn't necessarily stop dating or, you know, kind of pursuing that piece of my life. Um, initially I, I did, um, I would say it was probably about three, three or four months into my treatment. And I was like, I'm done. Like I see all my friends going out to the bars and, you know, drinking and having a good time. And I just decided, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to stop living my life, um, for this. Well, and I think that your ability to do that, particularly during treatment, I think that's a great, you're, you know, you're giving your listeners such a, a great example of you can do this. Because again, you got to remember when people get to see me, particularly during treatment, they're generally very distressed. Right. And so, and so again, I get to see the people who they can, most of my clients are just thinking, no way. That is the last thing. I can even and even think about right now. I have to focus solely on me, you know. So I actually think that that's great that you were able to do that. And and again, also appreciating that it's okay if people do it either way, exactly. you know. But it does sound like you had to have a conversation with yourself and say, "Nope, I don't want I don't want the bars right now." And and now, okay, I'm going to try something. You know, I do feel like in what I'm hearing is more that there was a conscious choice. Yes. And, and I do think that that's, that's good because I do think that we take dating almost <laughs> particularly once you get in your thirties is that it's like, a it's a, 
you you have to do it. It's like another job. <laughs> right. Like, because everybody's like, asking you when you're going to get married and when you're going to have kids. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. Well, and I do think <laughs> stop that, like, it world. Now, stop it. <laughs> exactly. Well, and again, and then when you think of in the cancer context and you think of whether what depending on what the type of cancer and whether people have to go through chemo, whether that put them in menopause, all of those different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that you, that comes up, particularly with AYAs, is then it's fertility. And then thinking, oh my gosh, it's okay. Again, seeing if I'm damaged goods, and even though I, res- I, I preserved my eggs or, or my sperm, if you want it this natural way, I appreciate that. You don't have to stick with me. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's another thing that I see people feeling like they have to have those conversations earlier on. Right. Um, and that's where I do think, again, that's where I guess I think, particularly once people are in their 30s or even early 40s to begin thinking about having kids, to me, I, I say, again, I think it's, it's your comfort level of when you feel you have to have these conversations um, and that it doesn't actually have to, like, you're not hoodwinking someone or if you don't have them earlier on. You know, I think it can be just like any other relationship where, okay, this is a serious thing that you're thinking about. And the reality is, is that fertility is harder across the board, you know, as we get older. And so I guess I think there's, there's a lot of pressure, I feel like, for cancer survivors after, um, after treatment that they have to feel like they have to think about things in addition, you know. And I guess outside of the personal the personal, like where you are connecting with your body and, and how you're integrating your experience. I guess I tell, I want to tell, tell your listeners, okay, take a step back. This doesn't have to be seen as necessarily like fertility or issues or, or risks of more cancer or recurrence. That's, that doesn't necessarily have to be seen as, again, as a disability or something that you have to put out there for, for potential partners. Well, and I think know? that's what it is, is that we, we really have this feeling, and I don't know where or why it happens, um, you know, but I experienced all of those same things where, you know, I really felt like I just had to lay the cards out on the table and say, this yeah. is what it is, you know, but at the same time, there was no expectation in return that the other side would lay their cards out on the table. Exactly. You know, and so, you know, I I don't know why we have that perception. What makes it, you know, I think it's really because, you know, like when people think about cancer, it's like the, it's the big C word, you know, and we all hold our breath. And, you know, that's like in many people's minds, the worst thing that could ever happen to you is the big C word. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that we really just have this feeling of, of, you know, laying it all out there and kind of seeing who's willing to pick up all the cards. Yeah. Well, and again, I guess I just see, I think I like, I'm for putting it out there. If you're saying, look, I'm not even going to worry about this as a thing. If this is a, it's kind of like, um, (laughs) it's, it's really, if you're going to put it out there as a disclaimer, then it's like, okay, if you have any issue with this at all, then, then keep moving, you know? Um, because I, I'm okay with that kind of stamp, you know? Um, but I do feel like it's more the latter. It's more the previous one as far as feeling like, oh, who's going to take this? Who's going to accept this and feeling a bit damaged. And that's where I just think, again, whether it be cancer or some other part of someone's story, that to me is just where it's like, man, why do we keep doing that to ourselves? You know, like, because even when you think about in relationships, I mean, I certainly have worked with people who are married and um, particularly if they get cancer early in that marriage, they feel incredibly guilty. This isn't what they signed up for. And I'm like, well, who the hell signs up for anything with when it comes to cancer? <laughs> exactly, <You know? laughs> exactly. Like, oh, yeah. I didn't choose to get bored <laughs> with the assumption I may get sick, you know? Right. <laughs> and that's like, where I'm do like, you remember the vows on, in sickness exactly. and in health. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So I guess that's where, you know, I feel like it's so interesting because in dating, I feel, feel like there's already so much of, of, I hope they accept me, you know? Absolutely. It's already so hard. (laughs) Yeah. That I guess I think, gosh, I think if there's one thing that to use the C card for, (laughs) it's, it's, I, I got through this. What have you got to bring to the table? Right. (laughs) You know, that's that reframe that, that may sound, I say it in a way that I hope is empowering and not to at all minimize that that is a hard place to get to, you know? Yeah. Like, so again, I think that that's why it's great that you, you said you shared your experience of at first I held back and then I went for it and I was like, well, look, this is where I'm at. What do you, what have you, whatever you think about it is up to you, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I just remember, um, you know, I, I took a pause a very brief pause from radiation, which was frowned upon from my um, oncologist. But it was mm. it was like a day or two that I missed, and and it was fine. Um, but I went to go on a trip uh, to Florida with my friends, and I met up with my friend that lives there. And we all, you know, we went out with a group of people, and we were hanging out and having fun. And I just remember it was at a point in time where, you know, you're not allowed to shave your arm during radiation, um, your armpits. And mm. so I lifted my arm up and you know I was dancing and whatever and so I have one shaved armpit and the other one's not and it was just kind of like this weird pause and this look and I Uh, remember like I just looked at the guy and I'm like it's fine like it's just you know it's all good don't worry about it we're having fun like you know it was just kind of this sideways look and I thought I'm not like I'm not even going there like I and I never even said anything about going through radiation never said anything about having cancer um you know, I was just there to have a good time and enjoy myself. Um, and I did not care about the sideways look um, from the guy that I was dancing with. Well, and kudos to you, you know, because what I'm hearing is, is that, okay, you know, because you noticed that he looked. Yes. Like, like you noticed that um, and you moved through it. And that was in that moment you had a choice. You absolutely could have aggressed and been like, what you looking at? Yeah. <laughs> like, are yeah. you judging me? <laughs> or you could have withdrawn and just kind of started dancing a little bit further away, you know, right. <laughs> like, but instead you just carried on. And I do think again, there, right there, you had three options and you chose to carry on and move through it. Right. Yeah. And, and I, 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 um, you know, I stayed connected with, with some of that group that we went out with that night and I uh-huh. sent them all an email once I returned home and I just said, you know, I want to thank you for giving me that space. Um, you know, here is, here is my story. Um, and thank you for allowing me to have that time to just enjoy myself and not think about cancer. Mm. Yeah. Well, just did did all of your friends know that you were a cancer survivor or going through treatment during that time? Well, it was only one friend that I had connected ah. with down there, and then she okay. had a circle of friends that we hung out with. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so okay. I met them through her, um, so none of them knew. Wow. Well, and I love that. I love, one, that you also didn't feel the need to have to, again, have to share anything. And, and that you didn't need to, you know, I think that that's speaking to that. Cause I do feel like, again, there's almost this perception of, Oh, I'm deceiving people. If I don't tell them where that I'm actually going through treatment. And if right. they can't, if, the, if I don't look like a cancer survivor, then I should tell people I have to actually verbally tell them. And I absolutely don't think that that's the case. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, but then also you did, you were able to acknowledge, wow, I felt really safe in yes. this space. And I can imagine that for you, it was a nice break from from the every day of living with cancer and going through that, that to actually feel, hey, oh, my cancer, it doesn't have to be the center part of my experience here. Right. And that was really kind of the door that opened up for me to say, you know what, I'm not going to just stay at home and um, you know, go through my treatments and not go out and hang out with my friends and, you know, maybe have a drink here or there or, you know, dance with a guy, whatever. Like that genuinely was the, 
the weekend that for me um, really opened that door. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that's great, you know? And I mean, again, there were multiple choices there that you had to make. You had to make the decision to go and visit your friends. You had to have the conversation with your doctor. You, I mean, that's, I think, one thing that I hope your listeners appreciate is, is that there were multiple, I guess, milestones along the way that foster that experience. And knowing that there are choices that people can make throughout at different periods that actually can shift the trajectory. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And it's being mindful at, at each of those moments that there's a choice. Right. And again, it's not right or wrong. It's just, what are you wanting to do? And to know that there is a choice, that there isn't, you should, you have to, particularly when it comes to how you want to enjoy your time and who you want to enjoy it with. Right. You know? So thinking about, um, you know, like you said, a lot of, a lot of your patients come to you and they're already kind of in distress um, over mm-hmm. relationships and, and the struggles that inherently go along with them. Um, what would you say you know, in terms of, um, you know, maybe even people before that period and then people who are kind of in that, that space of being distressed, um, what are some tips that you, or strategies that you would offer? Of managing distress to do what? Well, just kind of navigating that dating world. So, um, you know, what are, what are some things that you recommend, um, you know, I would, obviously I understand and recognize that each individual is individual and, you know, mm-hmm. what you might recommend for one person is potentially different from the next, but are there things that you kind of, you know, suggest to most of your patients when it comes to dating and having cancer? Okay. So first off, I think the first thing is, is that I don't actually, um, when I, you know, a lot of what I train oncologists to do is, is just ask the question, how sexually satisfied are you? And that that opens the door, you know? And so a lot of patients who, if they know I have a specialty in sex and relationships, they kind of, they might bring it up, but I'm first and foremost always going to start off by just assessing that so that there's already this norm of, hey, this is a place that you can talk about any of that. You know, that is part of, of our work. Um, so I think I try to just one, hold the space for that so that clients feel like they can bring that in. Then I guess I think the first and foremost is, is that, is, is that I do think that clients need to be aware that they need to be on their own timeline and that it's okay that if they don't want to necessarily date, even though they are wanting to, you know, have, they do have a timeline as far as, okay, I did want to get married, have a, buy a house, do, do those things, you know, um, to actually first and foremost, cut themselves some slack. Look, cancer obviously wasn't on your timeline. So sure. the timeline needs to be adjusted and it's okay. You know, so first kind of just acknowledging that. But then again, I guess this is where I encourage cancer survivors to really see this as an opportunity to be more conscious and to almost be more more just aware of where they are and what they are doing with others and how much they're sharing their time, you know? And so first and foremost, identifying what, what their boundaries are and what their current comfort level is like speaking as far as, okay, maybe in the past it was, you meet someone, you'd go on a date quickly. You have sex. If you are not there right now, just be being okay with it for yourself. I think having those conversations and checking with yourself, what am I going to be comfortable with today if things come up, if things go great? You know, uh, you know, a lot of worry is what if this happens? And so the approach to that is, is actually play that out and answer the question because it's that uncertainty that actually inhibits us from moving forward often. So thinking, okay, what if I meet this? this person and I'm a breast cancer survivor and things go well, we, you know, and they start to want to fool around. And then what do I do? Do I keep my bra and do I let it off? Do I let my breast be touched? Okay. Those are all questions that before your date, you can actually chat about with yourself or with a friend, you know, and actually kind of seeing that if 
you already feel uncomfortable even thinking about those questions, that in and of itself is a litmus. And just being okay with that. I guess I see it very much as doing a personal assessment of what your readiness and what your boundaries need to be. And then using dating experiences as opportunities to assert and play with those. Get curious as far as what what is your level and and constantly just saying, okay, it's going to be dynamic, you know? So I do think it's playing out some of those what ifs and, and actually looking for what, looking for strategies as far as, or decisions, options that you can actually choose in the moment. So I think a lot of this is, is just actually taking the time to be more conscious before the date of what you actually want um, and feel comfortable with in the date. So I think that that's one thing. The other thing I do think is, is actually people knowing that just like, like always, if there does get a point where you are uncomfortable on a date that you can absolutely say no to moving forward on it yes. and you can come back to it. You know, I think that one of the biggest things that when it comes to sexuality relationships is, is that even if you've already said yes, you can still say no at any time. Right. You know, and I think that that's so important. And I think that like, like in the cancer lens, like you actually speaking up to your radiologist and saying, Hey, you know what? I actually, I'm going to take two days of a break. You got to know that most, most cancer patients are just like, okay, just tell me what to do. I don't need to know a lot of information, <laughs> but I'm doing exactly what you're telling. There's, right. a, there's no like decision-making research in cancer. It's actually in most cases, there's no decision to make, you know, it's, Absolutely. okay, even if I get these different options, they're all around the same thing. I'm doing this. And once we pick this plan, this is my schedule, right. you know? So, so then to take that to relationships, it's, Hey, wait a second. Remember you can change your mind. <laughs> Just like, like, so you can enter a date and enter a new relationship and then actually shift gears throughout it. It doesn't have to just keep on going further and further that you can also take your time and maybe shift downshift and then upshift. You can always say, no, I'm not comfortable with this. I need to step back. Yeah. And, and feeling okay perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and, you know, again, it's, I love the fact that you indicate that it's, it's your timeline, you know, yeah. and if that means, you know, wearing a piece of lingerie on the top or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that is comfortable for you, um, you know, because one of the things that we had talked about on the last episode that we did together is, you know, sex is fun when it's safe. Um, yep. You know, and so it is okay to, you know, kind of take that downshift when it's necessary if you're coming into a space where you don't feel safe. 100%. Well, and again, when we think about, like, particularly if you put this through a trauma lens, and I very much do see going through cancer treatment as having lots of opportunities for traumas to happen. Yes. You know? And so in the context of a chronic traumatic stressor, there, our body immediately is just trying to protect us. So when our protection is up, we're aroused and we generally disconnect from our body because our body's just on autopilot, you know? And that's why it's even more important to be conscious and to connect to your body when you are dating so that you actually can be in control, you know, and, and being okay with that. You know, I do think that so much of this is finding your voice in and how to use it in new relationships. And it offer, actually offers an opportunity. Again, that's the beauty of dating is, all right, if you mess it up on this one and the date goes awry, great, there's another one around the corner. And really having almost an abundance mentality around it, whereas within the cancer lens, I do think that immediately, immediately mortality comes, I mean, it's the first thought Absolutely. upon diagnosis. Yes. That it leads to the scarcity mindset, this, this urgency, you know? And that's so much of what dating and, and expanding relationships can be is actually seeing it as, okay, wait a second. I don't have to latch on to this date. I can actually be curious, explore, be open, 
And if it doesn't work out, okay, I can try another one. That's it. You know, that's, <laughs> and I think that, that letting go and actually, and again, I see it so much as, man, you already had to do a fight. Dating is meant to be fun. And, and to actually just see it as that and to be curious with it, I feel like just removes so much of the pressure, 100%. you know, and in the insecurities. So I feel like, and again, and practicing the, practicing that with right. clients, like we'll do role plays and, and then saying, and the other thing is, is that when, when I say that you don't have to just keep on saying yes, you can always say no, even if you've already said yes. The other thing to remember as far as, and this goes for sex, relationship, anything, is, is that when you assert yourself and you say, I do not want to do this, or I do want to do this, you don't have to give a big back-ended explanation. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there doesn't have to be this whole long rationale. No thesis you know? to go along with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's the thing, I guess I feel like particularly in the dating context, everyone thinks, oh, but if I don't want to take my shirt off, then I have to get into this whole long conversation of, well, it's because last year I had cancer and, and then we did this and this and this. I'm like, actually, no, maybe just don't want to do that right now. And that's all. Sorry. Thanks. These are off limit <laughs> right now. Really enjoying the kiss, you know, yeah. and leaving it at that. Like, I guess the other thing is, is knowing that you do not have to explain yourself and you get to decide how much you actually want to even explain, you know? Right. And I think that that's like, huh? <laughs> like, because, <laughs> I mean, and I feel like, you know, particularly in cancer, particularly when we talk about breast cancer and, and prostate cancer, you know, again, there's, there's so much of, Oh, have your voice, be proud. And, and all this stuff, I'm like, you know what? Not everyone, that's not everyone's brand. That's not what everyone's style is. And that's absolutely okay, you know? Yeah. Like, it is absolutely okay to just assert yourself and actually assert a boundary. And if it is, and if a no comes up, you actually don't have to give an extensive explanation. Yeah, I love that. I love that <laughs> because we are all, yes. I mean, I know that I'm guilty of it. Um, you know, that there's there's always this extra explanation that went along with things and, you know, just being okay with it. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, you know, so many of the points that you made. Um, I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, just give ourselves some slack, you know, mm -hmm. we'd already been through enough, you know, just take dating for what it is <laughs> and just have fun with it. Absolutely. Well, and again, that's the thing. No one chooses to get cancer. And so in our relationships, particularly our intimate ones, knowing that you absolutely have a choice. Yes. You have a choice of, of who you're spending that time and what you share with them of you and your time and your body. Absolutely. You know, and I think that that's the biggest thing that I think, man, like, again, I feel like a hit inherent in the uncertainty of cancer is the, is the feeling and experience of, damn it, I didn't I have no control. I have no choice or volition. Right. And so absolutely finding opportunities where you absolutely have choices. And I do think that in our society, there's just so many shoulds. And shoulds just absolutely cramp our styles in, in almost every when it comes to most of our choices. Yes. We you know? really should stop shooting on ourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I just think that, you know, I think that there's so much that can be empowering, can be ecstatic and, and it's and adventurous, but also, and also inherent in this, I think in knowing that it's a choice, knowing that part of taking, of making choices is, is that is the excitement of, who knows how it's going to play out and that, okay, just also when you take choices and you put yourself out there, the more you put yourself out, yeah, the more chance that there is risk of getting hurt, getting your heart broken. And that's actually the thing is, is to, to think, I guess I see, take the resiliency that you had and gained and, and strengthened throughout your cancer journey 
and apply that to your relationships of saying, gosh, you know what? Okay, I may be scared. I may be tentative. I may mess up or I may get hurt. And then I'm still getting stronger and I'm becoming more full in my life and my baggage. To me, I guess I see baggage as, well, you know what? I'm still carrying, I'm still working <laughs> with it. You know, I'm still traveling. That's like, it. I haven't Absolutely. necessarily just put the suitcases in the closet. That's if it. you're going to be in the game, then you know what? The game, you may not always win. Again, that's where it's not focusing as much on the outcome as much as it is, as much as it is the journey. And I think that particularly going through cancer, that's the same thing. As much as cancer patients may look at their numbers, have their dates on, on a calendar, look at their chemo sessions. I mean, everything is about milestones, right? And, and knocking something off of the list. It's also realizing, okay, yeah, that was this situation. And this one, you get to call how you want to play it out. Right. Yeah. And really just reminding ourselves to just stay present in the moment. Yeah. Take yeah. it as it and comes. Well, and it's just and acknowledging that that is, and it's okay if it takes you a while to get there. Absolutely. You know, I think that like, like when you're talking about, even for yourself of, of, of yoga and meditation. And I mean, I think that it's also mindful that for many people, these, this, these are new concepts, right? You know, this is a new vernacular when we're talking about being conscious, being present. I mean, let's just keep it real. This is a new vernacular <laughs> that, that most people are like, Oh God, back in the day, that was just hokey. You know, the idea that you would talk about mindfulness and cancer, when I first started that, you should know that that was perceived as, ooh, yeah, whatever, <laughs> <Voodoo>. right? Woo-woo. <laughs> and, well, like, and even, like, yoga and cancer, like, when Alison Modell first started that, that was, like, the early 2000s when she did the first trial with yoga and cancer patients. And it's, like, back then, that was not this whole idea oh, of holistic health was not the mainstream. Right. So also appreciating that everyone may not be there, you know, and that's okay. Again, it is wherever anyone is at and taking them and knowing that, okay, where you're at, where, where, just be where you're at and then see the more curious you get, the more you're going to expand. And expansion doesn't need to necessarily be one directional. There isn't a better, there's not, oh, I'm more this or more that, right? It's just expanding Absolutely. wherever, whatever that means for you. And I think that that's where, like, and, and the idea of, gosh, having to be present. I mean, most people, when they get cancer, they are literally just trying to get through it. Yes. You know? <laughs> and so, like, and, and actually very glad that they are unconscious for a lot of some of it. You know, like, um, you know, I, I definitely hear a lot of patients saying, yeah, I was pretty tired and I was very happy to sleep. You know, and, and so and that's okay. and that being okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that's Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Allow yourself yeah. to allow yourself to be in the space that you're in um, and know that there are no comparisons between one survivor to the next. There doesn't yeah. have to be. No, hundred percent. Like even last night in my support group, we were talking about um, looking at information for mortality rates an average lifespan. And I just, it's like, gosh, it is so daunting when, when people read statistics, you know? And that's why, like, even in our conversation, I try to speak kind of generally and open and I don't use a lot of stats because again, I think you got to There's so much confounded in a lot of this data inherent in the first and foremost is, is that we are, (laughs) it is, having done research in cancer, it's actually quite hard. Not every, I mean, cancer patients who are going through treatment don't want to engage in another survey, right? Right. (laughs) Like they don't want to do something else. (laughs) So it is very much under the caveat that the people who we're getting to address some of these issues, it's, it's the people who have a little bit of that reservoir to do that, you know? Like, whereas again, a lot of, that's why we do now we, I mean, the idea of implementing um, distress screening across the board, that was done because we know that the people who are in most distress are the least likely to report it. They're the least likely to actually ask for help, you know? And so, again, this is where, I guess, so much of your program is, is starting to 
open up the conversations. And the more people are in waiting rooms for their follow-up appointments and just talking about these, the more the people around them may just overhear. Right. You know, and that's a touch point for them. And I think that that's something that as a community, that's what we can do. Not necessarily say, oh, this is, this is what everybody should be doing. And this, these are the, all the options. It's okay. Yeah. This is what we know about this. And these are some strategies and, and, and how does it, and people being aware, how does this relate to me where I am right now? What do I want to take from this? Absolutely. And just leaving it at that, yeah. you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. So remind me, not that I don't know, but um, remind our <laughs> listeners, <laughs> um, where can they find you um, for more information? Absolutely. So, I mean, just the easiest way to find me is really just connecting on my website, drcatalina.org. Um, and you can certainly follow me on Instagram. Right now, my handle is the intimacy doc, but I think I'm changing it back to Dr. Catalina. Um, <laughs> but um, I also have a podcast called Sex Marks the Spot. It comes out on Wednesdays, um, and that's on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play, pretty much everywhere. And I also do film those and put it on YouTube. So I'm pretty Googleable. So if you ever just Google Catalina Lawson, um, S-I-N, I am the only one in the world. So, um, cause my family came up with the name, last name Lawson. So, and I'm the I only Catalina. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I'm pretty, pretty contactable, whether that's a good thing or not. I get a lot of prank calls. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to say thank you again so much for sharing your knowledge, sharing your time. Um, I think that, you know, the conversations that we're having are so important. And I know that, you know, it's, it's helping our listeners, um, especially, you know, as they're kind of navigating the dating world and the intimacy and sexuality and all of that stuff. So, you know, again, I can't thank you enough um, for being a part of the podcast. Oh, thank you. And again, it's always such a joy. And I'm always so like honored that you actually are engaging in the conversations with me with your own experience and very much like in your other episodes I've listened to so much of you, you really are showing serving as an, as a role model, but also it's just an example. Like here, this is one strat, one path. This is the path I took and this is how it worked out for me and really modeling for, Hey, we're all trying to figure this out. Right. And I think that that's just really empowering. And I really appreciate you actually putting your voice out there and, and sharing it with me. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.